Welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, where we empower you with the answers to your burning questions to accelerate your career into the sports industry. We are your hosts, Melbourne-based sports administrators, Ruben Williams and Ryan Walker. Join us as we share unique and personal examples as well as relatable information and deliver them to you in bite-sized, fluff-free episodes. Want to swipe our signature framework to add awesome experience to your resume? Download our free ebook, Four Steps to Create Outstanding Work Experience in Sport at sportsgrad.com.au. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of our latest episodes released every Tuesday and Thursday. Ryan, the last time we played golf together, I watched you hit a driver off the par three second hole at the Lawn Golf Club where it rolled an entire 150 metres and then settled down on the green miraculously about one metre away from the pin where you then proceeded to putt it in for a birdie. And the look in your face was absolutely priceless. I think the club went in the air. You were so astonished at your own ability. But the one thing I remember from the look in your face was just how cleanly shaven it was that day. What what had you done that morning? Ruse, I'd actually I'd had a fresh shave that morning because I, I knew that I was sort of practicing for the future sports grad golf day. Um, so I had a shave with my executive razor, um, and I actually do remember feeling absolutely awesome from that. So if that's a you know maybe a tip for young golfers out there who's looking to hit a birdie, um, jump on uh, Dollar Shave Club's executive razor, and you will not regret it. One hundred percent. I think that's fantastic advice. For those who want to follow that up, you can head to dollarshaveclub.com.au forward slash sportsgrad where you can get your first starter set of blades and shave butter for just $15 and $10 off your second delivery. You can find that link in our show notes as well. It is one of the better deals you will find today to help you look and feel great and improve your golf game all at the same time. Hello and welcome to the Sports Grab Podcast. I'm Ryan Walker and with me as always is the tech freak, Ruben Williams. How are you today, Rubes? G'day, Ryan. I'm very well. Um, not sure about Tech Freak, but I do have quite a few new purchases. My my iMac is is uh, is retiring. Um, I'm changing to a monitor and a and laptop setup. Um, wow. Thanks to the uh, thanks to the thanks to my brother Isaac. Actually, he's he's agreed to buy my iMac off him. He's quite a little good little video producer, and I think I've got a, a good little deal with the with what I've pitched to him to say, hey, if you take my iMac off me, then um, I can go do this setup, so he's happily agreed to that. But yes, yeah, got a few new thing, few new toys today. Very, very nice, and shout out to Isaac. He'll be listening, obviously tonight. Um, but no, that's really he, good, he, mate. Isaac definitely will not be listening to a single episode of this podcast. So, well, um, he will be he after this. <laughs> I can confirm. Let's go. Uh, let's get onto it, Rose. Um, big guest today, so let's uh, let's have a big swing at it. Thank you so much uh, to you firstly for being part of the show today and uh, by downloading and getting involved, we, we really appreciate it. Today we're talking to Beck Brune about how to cement your place in the sports industry. If you're listening for the first time and thinking, what is this show? Who are these two guys? The Sports Grab Podcast is your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. I myself am a graduate of Notre Dame, Australia in Perth. Ruben is a graduate of Deakin University in Melbourne. A few years back, we both made the jump into working at Cricket Australia together and now our aim is to help you do the same in whatever way, shape or form that may be in the sports industry. 
Today, as I mentioned, we are talking to Beck Brune, who has completed a Cert three in Business Administration and Business Management, as well as a Bachelor of Business and Sports Management at Swinburne University. Beck has held various roles in the sports industry so far, starting at AFL Barwon in an internship, as well as building her way into multiple roles, such as Membership Sales Coordinator, Consumer Engagement Coordinator, and Marketing and Brand Executive at the Melbourne Storm. Beck now holds the role as Marketing Executive at PGA Australia. And Beck, it's been a very long time coming. We've tried to get you on a couple of times, but welcome to the Sports Guard podcast. It has. Thanks for having me. Beck, we've had a few guests that have actually come from WA, but I feel like you're the first to be a native from South Australia. What brought you over to <laughs> Victoria? Well, what a title, first one. Um, so basically the um, town I grew up in in South Australia is Mount Gambier. It's about 30 k's from Victoria, so we're very close to the border. Um, and about five hours in the car to Adelaide and five hours to Melbourne. So being a Geelong Cats family um, and a big sports family going to Australian Open and cricket, we were always over in Melbourne and um, I really loved it. Adelaide felt like a big country town to me. Um, So, yeah, I was always keen to get across to Victoria um, and then basically obviously opportunity is a lot greater. There's only two AFL clubs in Adelaide um, and everything else sort of falls away there so there's always going to be a lot more opportunity to work um, in club land which was always the aim for me to get into an AFL club Um, and also we had a Deakin University rep come speak to us at school in year 10 um, and their programs just seemed like they were it for sport I really wanted to do sport science as well Um, and so you could do a double degree in that Um, Obviously, I dropped that eventually and just stuck with business. Um, so, yeah, that's why I ended up in Geelong and now Melbourne. Just a special shout-out to all our listeners in Adelaide. We really appreciate your listenership, so thank you for coming on. But, Beck, you actually started out in 2015 at AFL Barwon. Yep. Can you talk us about talk to us about that experience and how you went about getting that job? Yeah, so that one came up um, pretty much with a bit of word of mouth, I suppose. Um, I just joined a netball club, as you do, in Geelong, um, and our president actually did one day a week at AFL Barwon and we just got chatting about my degree and what I was sort of hoping to do. Um, and she mentioned that the football department sort of put on an admin person once a week, so if I could free up my Mondays, they'd give me a shot eventually. So that was really good. Um, and it my gap year job was actually in sports admin, so it reflected a lot of um, the tasks I'd already done. Um, and Geelong is obviously a pretty big centre for local footy, um, so it, it was a really busy little internship, I suppose. You managed, you, did you, you mentioned a, a gap year there, um, which is mm. something we haven't really spoken about what, yeah. much on the podcast so far. Um, give us a bit of a rundown about what the thinking was behind the gap year and, and what you got up to. Yeah, sure. Gap year to me was really important. I um, completely sort of burnt out at the end of year 12. Super keen to get to uni, um, super keen to start a career, I suppose. Um, But being um, quite rural, and I'm also a twin, there was two of us to get through uni. 
um, and we both really wanted to save some cash and sort of work before we got there. And um, my high school down here has a really good sports program, so um, they have a trainee come on every year um, and basically I got that job, which was great, and we did everything from state carnivals to we went to America for a month, so I planned a whole basketball trip where we played um, schools over there and sort of really got my eye in on work. I loved work. Um, And then suddenly I had to get across to uni. So, yeah, gap year was really important to me, probably from a financial point of view, but also mentally I needed to, to sort of take a break. I know some people think they need to keep going and going from year 12, but I think I probably wouldn't have got through uni if I didn't take a little break and take some pressure off myself, Um, all self-inflicted, of course. But, um, yeah, I think when you really have to put your head down for year 12 and study pretty hard, um, that's sort of what happens. And I ended up absolutely loving that job. If I could do it forever, I I probably would have if it was going to challenge me. Um, But, yeah, it was awesome. I totally agree with that, Beck. I only lasted six months at Cricket Australia before I took a three-month career break, so I totally appreciate that sometimes you just need a bit of bit of time out. But during that internship, that kind of led you to your, your next role at the Melbourne Storm. What do you think were some of the key things you learnt during your time in the internship that prepared you for the Melbourne Storm job? Yeah, so Storm was a bit of a, um, I guess, a random application I put in off sports people, so I'm sure lots of listeners are on sports people a lot but basically yeah I finished the internship um was back to doing uni full-time and kind of realized that all I wanted to do was work I needed I knew I needed to get a degree but not so much like a doctor needs it or a teacher um you know it's sort of like you can get your way around around it in business um, so I sort of started applying for admin-y type sales roles, even if I wasn't qualified on sports people. Um, and yeah, landed an interview at Melbourne Storm, which was a, a bit of a shock. And being from South Australia, rugby league isn't really a thing. Um, all I knew was Billy Slater and that it blocked out Wednesdays three times a year on Channel 9. And, yeah, I was sort of AFL-focused, but I was like, why not Why not try Storm? And, yeah, got a um, an interview for a casual role, um, which was really good. Got into the interview in Melbourne and ended up getting um, offered a full-time role, which was crazy. I had to move my degree online um, and they were really supportive of that. Being halfway through, I'd only done about a year and a half. And, yeah, they sort of... Took a lot of the customer service um, and admin type work I'd done with AFL Bar and it was really, I sort of drew on that community, I guess, relationship you build with local sport. Obviously with footy and netball, you're dealing with parents and families and kids um, and not so much sales, but you do have to make sure you're looking after everyone and their best interests. And I sort of Played on that and, um, and yeah, so communication was definitely the biggest skill I took across um, and just willingness to learn and do any role that comes up. I think people sometimes want the, the biggest and best um, and you've really got to do your groundwork in sport um, and that was, that was great to have AFL Barwon on, on the resume for that. I think um, the, the temptation for a lot of people is to look at uh, community sport is not a very credible 
experience. But w- what was Melbourne Storm's response to you sharing your time at AFL Barwon? They were really, um, I guess, excited because they got a lot of applications of kids straight out of uni um, and sort of maybe did a placement um, or maybe did um, volunteering. Like you sort of, there seem to be a lot of kids that do, um, you're volunteering at events, like fun runs. Um, but I think what helped was that it was a, um, a well-regarded, I guess, organisation and when you sit under that AFL bar and um, Geelong's obviously massive um, in that space um, and I think they were just happy to have probably some diversity as well, um, being a female that had an interest, I guess. They really struggled to get females that were interested in rugby league. Um, not that I really was but, you know, you have to sort of put your hand up. So, yeah, they were just happy to have something different, I think, come, come through. Interested for those three three nights on Channel Nine a year. I think that's yeah. the thing. <laughs> it's um, funny. I um, sat down in the interview, and they asked me if I was a fan. And you know, there's a temptation to sort of lie and say, "Yeah, I love the Storm." I, you know, I know Cameron Smith and Billy Slater, and then I yeah, basically ran with no. I have no idea about the sport. Um, and I just saw Billy Slater in reception, which was exciting. So it was. Um, it's funny. Elite honesty there, like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> how um, how did you find working full time, but also going to obviously doing uni online? It's uh, that's one of the things that I think people sort of would stress about. You know, do you have enough time to to get through all your stuff, and what's your work life balance like? But it seems like it was it was okay for you. Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the most ideal setup. I had to really keep the long-term picture in mind. Um, at one stage, I really, really wanted to throw away the degree. And that was, you know, in the heat of the season when I had, I think before our 2018 grand final, three assignments due in the prelim to grand final week. Um, and it was just late nights, early mornings, um, just getting up before the gym, studying for an hour, going to work, studying after work, um, rolling into a 12-hour game day on Saturday, working before, um, studying before that. Um, So it was a really, really um, tough couple of years um, and I was extremely burnt out by the end. Um, And I think sport in general can do that, especially with home games, after home game um, and finals campaigns I think last year we walked 45 days straight at Storm with, you know, like in the office type of stuff or travelling um, in that August, September period. Um, oh so to wow. balance, yeah, to balance it was um, intense. Can barely do five days. Yeah, I honestly, I, I look back now and I just think I was 21 to 23 and, and crazy. Um, but Here I, I am sort of not even handling a full-time job and doing a podcast, Rubes. <laughs> what, what am I doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm about to start. I'm only about to start working two days, so that's plenty. <laughs> yeah, you've got to um, – you've really got to um, just keep keep a list and keep on top of it. But I would definitely say I, I probably don't recommend it and um, my, my health probably took a bit of a hit last year. I was constantly sick throughout the season and working in sport. There's no real time for that. 
Um, so you've, you do have to look after yourself and um, definitely get your degree. I'm not, I'm not saying throw it away, but maybe um, ease up on the full time. But in saying that, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't do it that way as well. I think that's a, that's a really good point to make and probably something we've never touched on the podcast before, but like the, the burnout of sport is is a very real thing. And I know um, when I was at Cricket Australia, there was a lot of talk about how they look after their events team by the end of the season because in the middle of an international summer, those people are just on the road nonstop going back-to-back flights to matches, interstate, all of that. And it does really have an impact on your overall health. So um, I think it's really valuable to call out so people can kind of understand what they're getting themselves into. But you mentioned um, your lists and your your very tight schedule when you'd study and then go to the gym and then go to work. How do, how do you keep yourself organised? Um, I don't like to fail. I'm a bit of a perfectionist um, and that basically drove that. So if I dropped the ball as we like to say in sport, don't drop the ball. Um, you know, I, I really, yeah, Blofa, I would really, um, I'd be quite hard on myself. Um, and so, yeah, that was the drive, the lists at night that you wake up and quickly write down on your bedside table, um, <laughs> stuff like that. It, um, you know, walking at lunch, I'd have to take my phone because I'd have to write down a list. So, I think um, if you have a sort of a mind like mine, you're constantly going. There's not much. There's not much stop to it. So you're just writing lists and ticking them off. But prioritizing in sport is a, a huge one, um, and everyone needs something, especially in marketing where you're dealing with commercial and events and admin and footy. Um, footy schedules are crazy. Um, so to be able to adapt to that as well. And that caused a lot of um, panic for me because once I do have a plan, I like to follow it. Um, but I learned very quickly it doesn't happen like that. I think uh, you and I, Ryan, could pro- probably borrow a piece of your mind, Beck, to keep <laughs> us a bit more organised. <laughs> we could be a PA. Yeah. I, Ooh, sounds like your list is <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> a bit more sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Beck, take us take us back to sort of the the first six months working full time, um, and it's probably something that a lot of a lot of people listening uh, are keen to understand what, what it's like when you first get into an organisation, and, and what's it like. What, what do you do when you first walk in? So, take us through sort of some of those feelings and uh, and thoughts of that those first six months working in sport. Yeah, absolutely. So I basically lived the dream in the first 10 days. I got the job at Storm um, a month before finals. So my third day was a prelim at Amy Park. We won that prelim and I was off to Sydney um, the next Thursday. So not only was I preparing to go to this grand final in Sydney on my 10th day of work, we were on the phones to members for ticket sales, which is crazy um so big props to membership staff out there um so yeah i hit the ground running um sprinting probably is a better better term for that um but in a way it was actually perfect because i think the best way to learn is to be thrown thrown right into it and probably for um for organizations like that and storm you'd probably nut out the people that aren't cut out for it because not everyone is um especially in membership um, so yeah, day 10, we're at the grand final in Sydney. 
were on the ground as a membership team. The board had just sort of thrown out um, that we wanted 20,000 members by the next season, which um, is quite big in NRL, not in AFL, uh, AFL terms, but NRL, especially Melbourne Storm in Melbourne, um, was a big number of members. So basically we're out there getting data, which is the word we all love in marketing is getting people's data. Um, and, yeah, we got to experience a grand final. Unfortunately, we lost to the Sharks. Um, but then, you know, even though you lose, you still got to come back on the plane on the Sunday morning. You've got to get those players on the plane, get the families, get the staff. Um, no matter how late you're up that night, you're on that plane, you're at the civic reception the next day to see the fans win or lose. Um, and that was really eye-opening in a way. I think I probably would have felt like that win wasn't mine. Um, but in, in a way, the loss also really hurt because it was, um, yeah, it was straight away. And then all of a sudden you're into um, renewal time. So members membership rolls over in November. So you're prepping for that. So, um, you know, the rest of the club went really quiet. You have Player of the Year awards and the players are off for eight eight weeks so all of a sudden it was like we're on this huge high and then bang we're into into the work and um, renewals came around and and that was a real I guess shock to the system you know we were taking hundreds of calls a day quite a small team um, and yeah it was just go 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 probably until almost Christmas and then straight back into um, leading into the season um, and and rugby league sort of starts a bit earlier than AFL so you're up at um, Queensland and Tassie, I think I went Sunshine Coast, Tassie, Sunshine Coast, Melbourne in four weeks um, in February um, with uni coming back as well. And then the season literally starts the week after in March. So it's there's not as much downtime as people would think. I, I think a common perception is what do people do in the off-season of sport? Um, and honestly, I think the business side works harder um, in that time and, and not everyone sees that not you know no one knows that in February you take in turns to stay on the phone till 8 p.m because it's convenient um, or the emails you're responding to at 7 a.m in the morning because your inbox is full um, so yeah the first six months was absolutely wild I think <laughs> that's the only way to put it um, and then from from then on it was the season so you were home go home game. Away game, thankfully, we didn't um, always travel. Um, although I love the travel, that is a huge toll, I think, to a lot of people in social media and events to, to bounce back straight after a weekend away and, you know, get your recovery time, but you can't really take your recovery time because then you've lost a day of work. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was really big, but um, I learnt so much in that first six months especially about sporting organizations not just membership and sales and and consumer I learned so much throughout the whole the whole business which I think is really important that just sounds I'm getting anxiety thinking about what yeah Ryan I don't know if you remember when we started coming straight into an, a home ashes series um, I remember that feeling pretty hectic, but not quite as hectic as what no. you just described, Beck. No, it wasn't. Um, but um, you only get one crack at your first six months, and it sounded like you did a whole lot of different things. Is there anything that you would have, would have done differently during that period? 
there wasn't a whole lot I'd do differently. I think I threw myself at it, you know, 110%. Um, and I look back and, and maybe I could have probably had some balance in my my actual personal life possibly, but I probably wouldn't change that. Um, the only thing I probably would have really worked on um, from a professional point of view was um, trying to enjoy sales and sales calls. I really, really struggled with it. Um, I don't like to push people and that's kind of what you're what you're doing. It's easy to sell um, a premiership winning team, but it's hard to w- sell a losing team, um, which we were on the back of a losing grand final. So people would call and play the Sharks theme song and hang up um, probably for six weeks after that grand final um, and that's and that's really disheartening and then I like to build a relationship with people so then if you don't want to buy membership I've taken it really personally um, <laughs> so probably and that comes with maturity I've definitely learned probably four years on that I was very very young working on those those phone calls and you've got your your 20-year members um, at Storm that used to get to go to the movies with the players because they were a brand-new club and then you've got your brand-newies that have been to one rugby league game but are, are kind of rusted on AFL. So I think learning to deal with um, probably a rejection on the phone um, on sales calls um, is something I would have really liked to probably dealt with a bit better. Yeah, that wouldn't be ideal having the shark song played, <laughs> played back at you as you're ringing them to renew their <laughs> membership. That would have been a little bit... A little bit rough on you. Uh, <laughs> reminds me of uh, the Richmond theme song played at the Adelaide training camps. Yeah, and I, I possibly even had a similar effect on on the staff. <laughs> we don't know though. We don't know. We won't go into that. <laughs> no, no, no buses with theme songs. Um, so, Becky, you actually shifted through, was it four roles at the Melbourne Storm, which is amazing. Take us through sort of how that all came to be and, and how you managed to just continuously, um, you know, develop yourself to, to be able to be front and centre for those roles. Yeah, so it was um, probably two parts to it. One, I was always, always, always asking questions um, and wanting to learn and I think that really paid off. So even though I was in a, a membership department, um, we're sort of an open plan office where marketing was right behind me social media, commercial. So I was constantly sort of learning and I sort of, no one ever wanted the info at Melbourne Storm um, email and I took that on because it was basically a shoe into learning absolutely everything because you got every request you can ever imagine come through there from a birthday party to I want to speak to Craig Bellamy right now about the boys' performance on the weekend um, to I want to sponsor a player for however many dollars. So it was a really good way to learn um, everything because I constantly had to go to every um, department and ask them lots of questions. Um, And then the other part was I had a couple of really good managers who probably knew that I didn't love um, membership or I didn't love sales and recognised that I was still a, a good fit culturally and a good fit for Melbourne Storm but probably better elsewhere um, and that's where I picked up that fan development role pretty quickly. Um, data is was the big term back then and it probably still is um, but we had a lot of um, fans and not a lot of members so we had 494,000 I think on Facebook um, because Storm was such a popular team 
but we wanted to convert them. So rather than actually take pick up the, the phone, sort of work out what we do with that data and what we can try and get them through, um, I guess, on a, a customer, customer journey. Um, and then from there, um, went into consumer engagement, which was basically a, a, probably a hybrid of a marketing coordinator and that fan development role. Um, so we recognised that there was a bit of a gap between knowing what membership was and the marketing side of it and bringing it together. And, and that was probably a real credit to our management again for recognising that I really loved that sort of stuff and I loved projects. I liked seeing start to finish um, but also had really started to enjoy um, recognising how much of an impact the club or sport has on people um, and that was massive for me. So, you know, the kids that wrote into Billy Slater, we never, ever replied to their letters and I started replying to them because I just, I was like, no, I'm finding time to do it because I was that kid that wrote to Geelong back in 2003 to to come down to Mount Gambia so you know you just you just don't know how important um sport is to to people and that's where I sort of really found my feet I think and um social media was a really big um interest of mine just constantly going over to the digital department and being like why don't we do this and here's a screenshot and and whatever so they sort of pulled me across and then um yeah, really, really loved the marketing and digital side of it. And then um, marketing and brand exec was just my sort of step up um, and I guess kind of reward for that season. And, you know, we lost pretty much our whole digital department and, and our um, communications coordinator all in the space of um, six weeks. So one right before our grand final and then one after so all of a sudden I was doing social media reports for the whole year and you know holding a microphone at a press conference and then on the Instagram on your phone so I think you just all of a sudden you know you start picking up things and then you you can get rewarded for it and I think that's what Storm were really good at was keeping you engaged because I think if you do have a mind like mine that's just constantly constantly going what's next what's next which can be really really bad but I think in sport it can be really good because everyone would love to work in sport in my eyes and if you want to work in sport and you've got this experience well I want to beat you to the next role or um you know be able to to basically cement yourself in sport. Beck, your story of how you picked up the Billy Slater emails is by far the most heartwarming thing we've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> I never, I never ever lied and said that it was Billy Slater. I would never do that. <laughs> but um, I got it, you know, a poster and a sticker and a couple of other goodies. So yeah, it was, um, it took some time and I definitely did overtime hours to get those out. But tell you what, those kids, they better be strong fans for life. Yeah. <laughs> Were they, uh, were they templated letters back? Or were they personal every time? Personal, yeah. I I'd, I'd, I'd use the um the it's blank a lot of effort. blank happy birthday cards, and then I'd write a message. And um yeah, sometimes I go through their profile on Arctics, the membership thing, and find out who their favourite player was, or um how many games they'd been to, or if they'd been in the last week. Like how good that was a game on Friday night or whatever. So. Mm. Um, I just think that is something that um, people in sport need to um, to really take a hold of sometimes because it can be so mm. important. 
No, definitely. No, that's that's lovely to hear. Um, and your country roots are definitely on display there. That's um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not hard to, to say. Um, so you gave a bit of a really good overview of some of the the different projects you're involved with. What what was it like day to day, particularly in the the brand executive role? What were some of the more like typical things between the hours of nine and five that you'd been involved with? Yeah, it was um it was a bit of a mixed bag. I think um one thing that people sort of don't realise is like marketing is kind of like a hybrid role between all departments. You're the end point for their EDMs. Um, you're the end point for getting it on social media. You're the, you know, the design process. You're the creative mind of the business. Um, so basically I took care of all the traditional marketing, so billboards, um, uh, print media, um, graphic design and that sort of thing. EDMs was a huge part. So, yeah, yeah email communication um, and newsletters. So you get um, sponsor ads and um, content flying at you, left, right and centre and changes and um, so managing that process um, was a big part of it. I did a lot of the player, um, I guess, like player engagement and promotions. So typically that sat with footy um, but footy are really quite busy and, and probably d- didn't um, love sending the players out to a community clinic or something like that. So sort of like grabbed it and said like we need to be doing more in the community. We didn't have a community department like um, most AFL clubs. Um, so trying to build on that was um, a really big one. We had a partnership with Starlight, so I managed that. So um, that was a great one to get them out to the hospitals and see the kids, um, but also um, bring them to game day. So then obviously game day um, experience and ticket sales and merchandise and theming was all within the marketing department. So um, a lot of the meetings were based on, okay, we've got women in league round this week, what are we doing um, to engage the fans? Um, And then, yeah, ended up doing a lot in the digital space. So the NRL um, basically built um, everything that all the clubs use and also had a big data project. So there was a um, a lot of work to do to get basically everyone's data up to up to scratch um and uh, salesforce and marketing cloud was a, a big one with that um and then yeah anything that sort of came up like we're sort of one in all in at storm so i didn't really have a game day role um but i would do twenty five thousand steps on game day because you end up picking you end up picking up um, you know, sideline experiences or competition winners or, um, you know, help out the events team. So it was really, really varied. Um, yeah, a lot of, I guess, whip meetings, marketing is a lot of whips um, and a lot of lists as, as we've spoken about. Um, but, yeah, everything. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how many we things. We love a whip. Yeah, we love a whip. and Rude's Sat in many whips together. Um, fantastic. Yes. <laughs> Concept. Some of my favorite whips have some of my favorite whips have been with you, Ryan. <laughs> I, all, your, all your contributions. Yeah. I used to love how you got to just have about five minutes in the commercial partnerships week. Uh, sorry, whip weekly, which was fantastic. Um, I enjoyed throwing to you. Um, yes. I, I quite enjoyed when you would chair those whips. 
I did, yeah, absolutely. Still do. Uh, it's a fantastic role, and I, I love compiling the agenda every week. I miss and, you on there, though. And the notes. <laughs> get, get me back. But, again, Rubes, this always happens. It's, it's not about us. It's about Beck. So I'm just no, going to ask you to Beck. calm down over there. Um, we can talk about whips all day. Yeah, we'll, we'll take that offline. Yeah, we'll take that offline. Um, <laughs> Maybe into the next whip. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it on the whip on Tuesday. Um <laughs> Back to you, Beck. Uh, and let's bring it back to the present. We're, we're yet to speak about um, your current role um, at PGA Australia. Wondering, sort of, it's, is obviously a similar role to the one you held at uh, at the Storm, um, the brand executive role. But could you just chat us through what, what that involves now? Yeah, so um, it's really, really similar, but in a completely different context. So obviously going from a team sport, you're very week to week. Um, You're focused on the next home game and um, members and that sort of thing, Um, whereas the PGA is big tournaments, the PGA championships in December, um, your Volts Wagon Scrambles, which are played all across Australia, so we administer those. Sorry, what what – what is a Volkswagen scramble? Oh, good question. It sounds so, fancy. Volkswagen scramble <laughs> yeah. is a local event, so um, you need a handicap to play. Um, but basically, they're run all across Australia. You play in a team of four. So um, you basically, if you win, you go to a regional final. If you win that, you go and play in the Sunshine Coast, and we give you a week of golf. Um, and yeah, it's pretty pretty epic. Um, it's something that I think I've got my work cut out with, for to grow because it could be so big. Um, you do need to be a handicapped golfer, so so, so it's kind of yeah. like it's a it's kind of like an amateur tournament, but you've got to be yeah. like you've got to be decent enough. You can't you can't you can't have Rubes or or I just sort of rocking up and teeing <laughs> off. Yeah, you're my new target market, but I need you to start okay. playing golf more. Um, yeah. And get- and get a handicap, so it all works. It all works in because. Well, if you've got any discounts for any local courses in Melbourne when they open back up, I would more than happily take it back on and, or, and try and meet your expectations back. <laughs> or even the Lawn Golf Club. That was a quality course uh, that we played oh, yes. at a couple of months ago. Um, yeah, yeah. slope on the, on the third hole. Yeah, but Ryan, you've got. Is- Golf course at your front doorstep, so you've got no excuse. I do. I'm yet to play on there at all. I've kicked the footy on there, but I'm yet to go on there. But Beck, you, as you said, I'm your target market, so mm-hmm. I'll, I'm sure I'll get lured into some golf sometime soon. Yeah, we'll just find out your PGA Pro, um, and we'll get you a lesson, and then you guys can start. Just yeah, start I'll, let you, I'll let you know when I get my handicap. Um, that yep. should be around the corner now. So, <laughs> yes, good. do that. Um, so I guess like the other part to it is um, we are the professionals body. So we're not Golf Australia. Golf Australia is the, um, I guess, the overarching participation-based organisation, um, which can become quite confused because then all of a sudden the PGA runs a tournament. Um, so when you think about it like that, we don't focus on too much of getting you guys into golf um, and your handicap is run through Golf Australia but we want to get our pros the work. So we want our pros in the golf clubs to run the tournament and get the business through that. Um, so I think that's been a really um, a really tough one to get my head around because you're sort of like, okay, we want people to play golf but then it's like, oh, it's actually not really 
uh, job, yeah. but we need it because then our PGA pros need more work. Um, so that's, that's a, it's an interesting one, like. Because if you think about it, all the major sports, there's, there's not sort of one body for the professional players yeah. of that sport and one for the grassroots growing of the sport in a way. So that's a, yeah. it's an interesting we, one to get your head around. Yeah, I saw, I sort of drew a comparison to the AFL Players Association, but it's yeah. not. It's complete, that's all governance. Like we're, we are the governance, but we're also so much more, which I think is really great um, and I probably – um, walked into the job not knowing a lot of this as well. So it's been a really big learning curve. I obviously started in January, so had seven weeks in the office and then COVID hit. Um, and so that's obviously um, affected, I guess, the start of our, our working year and, and probably my learning um, to some extent because, yeah, we've moved our PGA Championship from December to Feb. Um, so, you know, we're in the process of moving all those contracts and booking all our media and advertising out again. Um, and we've been on reduced hours. So I think like the sports industry, we were very, very lucky. We had no redundancies. Um, I was on probation, so I've only been there for seven weeks and um, felt very lucky to keep to keep our job and real credit to them for keeping us on um, through the time. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of kind of a lot of the same. Everything needs a marketing plan and a strategy and we work on a lot of getting um, not your tour professional. So we do represent Jason Day and Adam Scott and we follow the tournaments and, you know, have done tweeting at 3 a.m. a couple of weekends ago at the US Open and, and stuff like that, which is really cool. But then there's this whole other element that's a lot more um, – yeah, when you say PGA Pro to us, we actually think about your head coach at your, your local golf club. Um, so just, yeah, going from Tour Pro to PGA Pro to amateur tournaments to big events. So it's 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 kind of cool. I, I took a lot of adjusting. I'm, I really miss the game day high that we had at Storm. Not that I would have had it this year because probably wouldn't have been in a hub. Um but it's also been nice not to ride the highs and lows of a win or a loss every weekend and coming back into the office Monday. So it's it's different. Um, I'm sure the game day high of a of a golf tournament will be will be just as thrilling when you get the chance. Hopefully, the get in the whole chance will be absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> when you see that ball sailing on its way and it's in line, watch out! <laughs> it's good content. <laughs> Uh, Beck, all, all this talk about golf takes me back to, I think it was 2007, I wrote, I wrote a letter to the editor of the Golf Australia magazine in, uh, in my English class complaining about how too many old golfers, golfers were taken over the courses and were providing a pretty unpleasant experience for us younger golfers who wanted to share the course with them. And so I wrote a, a mildly angry letter in and, and they sent me back a couple of tickets to the to the Women's Australian Open where I got to watch Carrie Webb down at Kingston Heath Golf Course hit him around and it was, uh, it was thrilling stuff. So no doubt you'll get the chance to experience that as well soon. But what, what are some advice that you've got for graduates who are looking to get their first job in sport? You've been around for a long time now. So um, it'd be awesome to hear. What are some of your, your best piece of, pieces of advice for students out there? Yeah, you're making me feel really old, and I'm not. I'm only 25. Sorry, I, sh- I, should, I shouldn't throw. You've been How's around the, for a you've while. You've been around now, for so a really. while. <laughs> yeah. No, well, you know what? That's probably that will lead me to my first piece of advice: is don't let anyone tell you you're too young to do anything, um, and don't let that 
stop you from developing? If someone kept saying to me, I'm 21, why do I think that I should be the next person to get this marketing role? Um, Then, yeah, I wouldn't have got it. So you've got to believe in yourself. Um, I think don't give up coming from a small country town, um, you know, to work in sport isn't a, a norm down here. I I grew up not knowing anyone else that was going to follow that dream, I suppose. Um, and, you know, I, I nearly did give up on it thinking about the jobs, like how am I going to get a job in sport? Um, but you've got to plant your seed and networking um, is a huge one. So as soon as, yeah, like I joined that club in Geelong and all of a sudden I knew someone at AFL Barwon and was able to get that internship. Um You've got to do the unpaid work. You've got to do the casual work. You've got to do the membership role. Um, get your foot in the door is a huge one. LinkedIn's massive now, um, and you guys cover off a lot of that, um, which is great. So listen to the other podcasts, guys. Um, but networking's a big one. Um, and then, obviously, I think just presenting yourself with um, a willingness to, to learn. I was never top of my class I was never an A plus student um, but I was always willing to put in put in the work um, and that's that's the important thing and and sort of be willing to do anything I think I moved from Geelong to Melbourne within four days of getting getting the job and I'm not saying pack up your whole life to get a job but just be willing to to put yourself out there and and if you want to work in AFL like I did um, and five years later I still haven't um, but I've worked in two really cool sporting organisations now that I never would have would have thought. So you've got to give everything a crack. Sensational. You uh, you mentioned that you are from a small country town of uh, Mount Gambia. I'm sure the entire town will be listening to this. Do you want to give a shout-out to anybody? Um, I'll give out a shout-out to my mum for um, being very quiet in the background and the um, Border Watch. The border Watch <laughs> Thank you very movie. much, Trish. <laughs> yeah. The Border Watch, the local paper that is making a resurgence. So hopefully they cover off the podcast in an article um, coming up. We'll, um, we'll be sure to contact Border Watch. I'm sure they'll, they'll need a story or two um, they when, when they restart. They will. Beck, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You you've hit the mainstream media um, and the sports (laughs) podcast. We'll be we'll be in there with you, but uh, we better wrap it up there, Beck. We thank you so much for for coming on. We loved your points around uh, your willingness to learn. I think it's a really key skill for for new graduates coming in. Obviously, being open to anything, um, and also just your advice to sort of take your time in honing your craft and. Perhaps maybe don't do uh, full-time study whilst you do full-time work. Um, but, no, we've loved having you on and um, love chatting about the storm and your time at the PGA. So we really thank you for your time tonight. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Not a problem. And thank you very much for, for those listening. A, a reminder to please hit subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss out on any awesome new episodes coming up. And drop us a rating possibly five stars. I know Rube says that every week, asking everyone to do, but please do, uh, and leave us a review. It really does mean so much to us and helps us put together some really awesome shows uh, for you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the SportsGrad podcast. If you need help with your sports career, head to sportsgrad.com.au and download our free ebook today. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please give us a tag on socials at SportsGrad.